Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You need to stop resisting and fighting this um, this desire to be in relationship because there's a part of me that always says, you know, okay, now it's time. I need to be single. I need to be on my own. Don't get back in a relationship. But I keep finding myself in relationships. Um, and it is, as you saw in the book, a big part of my life. I learn so much through my intimate relationship. Welcome back to Open Late Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Spandiari, and today I have with me in person, Lana Shea. She is the author of Erotic Hustle, which is this incredible book that I have devoured over the weekend. We're going to talk all about it, but she's also a plant medicine advocate for consciousness and cognitive liberation, which I think is incredible. I mean, she's a yogi. She's a holistic health practitioner. And reading her book, I was like, is this about me? Is this book about me? Like <laughs> so many of your experiences and your evolution are so similar to my journey that I felt you were speaking about parts of my life that I never have very openly. And I've started to do that a bit on the show, but I'm, I was so excited to interview and I told you I prepared nothing because I feel like I'm going to be asking myself questions. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much yeah. for a beautiful intro. I'm so excited. I want to hear from you. I mean, this is an interview. I want to hear everything. What did you get? I like, mean, basically, you know my life because it's yours in so many ways. Um, so we met in Miami, just so everybody knows. We barely know each other. We we met one night through mutual friends. I was there for, um, I was there in December. Our oh, Basel. it was our Basel. Yes. And we went to this awesome dinner. And yeah, Kristen told me that you wrote this book. And I was like, wow, I want to read it. It sounds like very interesting. I've actually never had someone on the show who's written a memoir. Mm -hmm. And come to find out, we've lived a very similar life trajectory. Um, And so, yeah, I want to dive right in. I want to just, here, I'll share this with you. I also lived in Vegas. And I believe that we worked at Sapphire at the same time. Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm so excited right now. What? I yes. didn't know that. I know. I wasn't going to tell you until we're on the show. I didn't know that you danced. Have, wait, have so you I, shared this? On so openly? I didn't dance, but I was a cocktail server there for almost four years. I mean, mm-hmm. the cocktail servers, yeah. like, almost have it better in a lot of ways, but have a lot of similarities, too. Like, the guys are more excited about the cocktail servers than the dancers half the time. You well, that's so funny that that's your experience, because one of the reasons I loved cocktailing at Sapphire was because I had worked in nightlife for a long time. At the When I got hired at Sapphire, I'd already been in nightclubs for 10 years. Nightclubs or pool parties. I moved to Vegas in 2008 and I opened Encore Beach Club when it was like just opening. And I worked there for two years and then got hired at Wet Republic. Then I moved to San Diego. And when I moved back, 
I really needed health insurance. I just felt like it was the time in my life where I needed that. And I actually had a girlfriend who was cocktailing there. And she's like, we get health insurance. And I was like, what? How do you? That's not possible in Vegas. That's how far. In the nightclub industry. Yes, if you're a bartender or a cocktail server there, you get really great health insurance. Okay. Mm-hmm. News to me. Yeah. News flash. It's probably a news flash to everybody. And because, you know, if you work at a property on the strip, you're like a, a bartender model or like a model bartender and you're a subcontractor a lot of places and they won't hire anyone full time. They yep. keep everyone just below it so that they don't have to provide mm-hmm. insurance. And I was turning 26 and so I was off my parents and I, you know, have always been pretty health forward, even though I was already getting into holistic health and alternative, you know, alternative, just more traditional Eastern medicine, because I really don't love when people call Western medicine traditional, as I'm sure you feel the same way. Okay. I'm already getting what's going on. <laughs> yes. Right this is good. It's okay. wild. And yeah. So anyway, in your book, you talk about being a Sapphire, I think just for a few months before you went full-time to the Rhino. That was like the only place you danced. And I was like, wait, what? 2012. Yeah, there could have definitely been some overlap. Mm-hmm. There is this really interesting thing. I think it's so weird to say this, but within our community, like we are in a little bubble, right? Um, mm-hmm. I can name all the things, but we can do that later. And you see someone and, and you go, oh, I, I've seen you before. I know you. Um, and it's, it's like, okay, yes, we met through our, our beautiful friend, Kristen, but there is definitely some other familiarity like when I first met you I'm like who is this tiny adorable person I feel like you've been in my world already yeah I've been circling already I felt that same thing I was pretty much like who is this tiny dancer I very much see myself but I also think that yeah we've probably crossed paths and um it's just so interesting because reading about your life and this book is really all about your evolution from Everything from, you know, childhood trauma through um, drug use early on, through starting to dance and being in that environment to following men and and sort of like their, what their wants, needs and desires were and really not knowing yourself to growing up, you know, in a relationship and really owning your womanhood, owning your sensuality, sexuality and starting to like place those boundaries and really hold them. Um, I'm getting chills just like I just talking about it. Hearing your synopsis. I you know, and I think that this is the journey for so many women, but we've lived a lot of the same experiences. And so reading how you got into, you know, on your spiritual path and went to yoga teacher training and wanted to like live this year in India. <laughs> it's like, well, we've talked about having, you know, Persian men in our lives. My husband refused to let me go to India alone because he was like, it's too dangerous and and told me that if I wanted to do my teacher training there, I would have to hire a chaperone. And I was like, are you absurd? And then I started to to look at it and I was like, oh, India is actually very dangerous to be there solo. I'm sure like not in places like Rishikesh, but I mean, I survived. Yeah. But it was scary. I have a lot of circumstances where I, I, you know. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, well, you actually don't detail them. You leave that part out of the book. And I was kind of interested. (laughs) But, you know, you divulge so much of your soul in this book. And I think it's really profound when someone reads it to see a real person talking about real things. Um, And that's what a memoir should be. 
So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, where do we even start? I would love to dive into psychedelics. Yes. Yes. So <gasps> the first time I ever did um, ayahuasca, well, that was the first thing I really ever did. Um, I had just left Sapphire and we moved to LA, my husband and I. And well, I was, you were married when you were working at Sapphire. We got married while I was at Sapphire still. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We met at Sapphire. <laughs> yes. I met my husband there. Wait, what? Yes. yes. So it's, it's so wild. We met through a mutual friend. She was another waitress there. And she and I worked a lot of the same shifts. We were kind of like the closers. We were some of the, the stronger cocktail servers and like the mamas of the cocktail servers. And she wasn't working that night and he wanted to come in. He was actually the best man from his high school uh, best friend's wedding. And they were all from San Jose and he, he was bringing like the crew in that night. And they only stayed for like an hour. It was, you know, very ceremonial. Like, let's get the, the groom, the lap dance. And then I think they went to Marquee or something. So our first interaction was there because our friend was like, he's going to request you. He has a comped bottle. He'll tip you really well. They're going to be in and out. And that was my first meeting of Pasha. And I had a boyfriend at the time. What? Yes. So, um, wait, I feel like <laughs> I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Now I'm like dying. Oh, but I have so many questions. <laughs> so basically that was our first interaction. And I had blinders on. I was with this very, I was in a very toxic relationship and pretty devoted to this guy really not knowing what my own wants, needs, and desires were at all. Smoke parallels. Yes. Just needed that comfort of having a person. Um, And shortly thereafter, I found out that that guy was totally leading a double life for almost three years, had a a pretty serious sex addiction. Mm. Although we never slept together. We were like best friends living in the same home. We bought a home together. Um, And... I found all of this, these homemade videos on his computer. I snooped because I was like, something's got to give. Yeah, yeah, like we had tried therapy and then he, they thought he had a hormone imbalance and he was like taking testosterone and like nothing was changing. And I was like trying to reignite that fire and his confidence. And I even was like, maybe like do you want to have a threesome with like one of my friends which I'd never done and it wasn't I hadn't even like stepped into you know the whole non-monogamy yet but he was like very much against like it was like a constant rejection of intimacy with me and so finally I was like what is happening you know like we're young this shouldn't be the case and I snooped and found out why he was just constantly depleted because he would really get off on like the secrecy and had so much shame and he had been doing it for a very long time like in every relationship since his teenage years um so it was like very heartbreaking because i was so relieved when i found it because it felt like a good reason to leave which like is i get it i'm out yeah yeah even though i was so unhappy like that wasn't a good enough reason to leave this relationship um because he was going through something really hard and like we didn't do that we didn't leave people when they were going through something because we wanted to save everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, reading your book, I was like, wow, that this is so me staying in these relationships and just thinking that I can save all these men. Oh, chills right now. I'm like, okay, I get yes. it. Yes. So, okay. But I want to <laughs> talk about you a little bit. 
Um, you are talking about me. Yes. <laughs> okay. You're kind of right. I mean, now I know because I've read the book. And so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, I think, that I already know kind of the answers to. But for people to get to know you yeah. and hear your story. Now that you're on the other side of it and you're like, I don't know you well, but I'm... I do. 10 pages away from <laughs> yeah, 10 pages away from finishing this book and I know that you're living like a very empowered, confident life and but you're always questioning yourself and wanting to evolve. At what point did you have the shift? Like was there a moment where you were like, "Well, I I can't save anyone, really. I can express myself and hope that that gives levity, joy, peace, connection to people in the world. But I'm not going to be able to save somebody that doesn't want to save themselves. Well, that's a huge question. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or was it an evolution? Just dive in. Uh, I think there was, there was a pivotal moment, and that was being in the relationship with the guy that I was with in Costa Rica, which I don't know if you got to that part in the book mm-hmm. or not. Um, I met somebody after my 11-year marriage, right after, and moved to Costa Rica and lived with him. He's mm-hmm. from Costa Rica. Um, and I have just now come to find, this is another piece of this that I have to mention, just now come to find after working with so many psychics and therapists and you know all these people in that realm and Mm -hmm. um quantum healers whatever you want to call them just people that are like okay I can see things about you I'm like all right tell me tell me um and they said you know you need to stop resisting and fighting this um this desire to be in relationship because there's a part of me that always says you know, okay, now it's time. I need to be single. I need to be on my own. Don't get back in a relationship. But I keep finding myself in relationships. Um, And it is, as you saw in the book, a big part of my life. I learn so much through my intimate relationship, Mm -hmm. as we all can and all do. But should you choose to take that path? It's just another way that we've chosen to educate ourselves, right? That's our school of life. So I really learn in relationship. I was with this guy in Costa Rica and I was so madly in love with him and it was more about what was going on, you know, the alchemy within myself. Now that I found that it was me loving him, it was Mm -hmm. like a mirror for me as all relationships are. And I wanted to have a baby with him. And for so many years, I was with somebody for 11 years and I didn't want to have a child, you know, it was just never a part of my reality. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, I'm never having a child. This is not what I want to do with my life. I don't need to. Like, I also don't want to be conditioned by society. Like, okay, we need to have children for right. to be successful humans, right? Like, if we don't procreate, we're not mm-hmm. we're not doing Fulfilling what our species everything. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a moment where I wanted, I had this deep desire to have a child with him. And I realized it was simply because I wanted to heal him. I wanted him to feel so deeply loved that someone wanted him to continue, his legacy to continue, his, you know, I wanted him to keep existing in the world after he was gone through his child. So that was like, really, now it feels almost like deep and dark and sick talking about it. It's like (laughs) so vulnerable and uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, did I just say that? Um, But yeah, I literally wanted to have a child with him because I wanted to show him that he was 
and like I loved him that mm. much and that he he was that you know like you're so amazing that somebody wants to mm-hmm. have a child with you it had nothing to do with what you really wanted uh, no <laughs> <laughs> we, and we do that often mm-hmm. we do that a lot mm-hmm. um we you and I <laughs> I think women in general as we're growing up but we're very conditioned to attune ourselves to the energy of men yeah. and be in that nurturing, supportive, how can I please you role. Yeah. Um, and you grew up with like a lot of men that really needed help. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like your conditioning from such a young age. And I think that like no matter how, you know, wealthy you are or not or how educated you are or not or how traumatic your experiences are as a child or not it's also the society that we're born into with these like predetermined roles and I really do and I say this often on the show like I think we're at a major shift in like our consciousness on this planet and things are really starting to change um to bring it back to psychedelics actually because I wanted to go down that road yeah um you know, there's so much great work being done. And for me, when I got into psychedelic work, um, ayahuasca became the medicine that I really studied and worked with a lot. But I also worked with Cambo, you know, like not as often, but maybe once or twice a year for the last, I don't know, five, six years and or even even longer now, seven or eight years, because it was my 30th birthday and I just turned 38. So that stretch of time, um, that medicine, and then eventually evolved into serving um, myself, psilocybin and sound ceremonies, which I just sort of like backed away from that to focus on other things. And it sounds like Cambo for you became your, like the medicine that you really attuned to and like wanted to work with and was the most powerful. And I'm so curious as to why, (laughs) because for me, it's the one where I'm like, I know I need to do this. I'm not going to like it, but it's why I only do it, you know, once a year or twice a year max. What is it about Cambo? We've never talked about that on the show before. So maybe, you know, as someone who's really studied it and worked with it, you could guide people through sort of the experience and then your evolution with it and what it's given you. It's so exciting. There's so much to unpack here. And again, I have questions for you. Did you say that ayahuasca was the first medicine that you worked with? The first psychedelic entheogen that well, you worked with? Well, so it was the first plant medicine that I ever worked with in a ceremonial space. Okay. I started my journey with psychedelics at a pretty late time. I think I was 29 the first time I went to Burning Man. And I've been every year since that there's been a Burning Man, except for like the renegade years. Yeah. Um, and I working in nightlife for a bajillion years, never tried a drug in my life until I met my husband, um, and went to Burning Man and there was like a whole new world opened for me. And that first year I tried mushrooms and MDMA for the first time. And then like years after that, I've tried, you know, lots of other things. I've never really, like I've cocaine has never interested me at all it's always been like the things you can really learn from and like love from and so similar to you like I don't drink alcohol at this point in my life and I don't 
really do those things um, unless I'm in a really good environment with the right people. And, um, you know, of course, I love to go to a great rave every now and then. But it's mostly like these cozy, intimate spaces and parties with like the closest friends with a lot of intention. And so I think I had maybe been to Burning Man only once or maybe twice before my first ayahuasca journey. So there wasn't a lot of dabbling and I was such a late bloomer. One difference that we have, (laughs) it's like you were a very early bloomer and in some ways I'm really grateful that I waited till I was at a place where I'd already started my yoga journey and all of those things. Working in nightlife for so long, I think would have been very dangerous if I was like in Vegas popping pills every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It really helped me keep my head on. Now, I was a really big drinker and I'm so glad that I've made the choice recently. And I'm not like, I've never had a problem with it, but I could see tendencies that I really didn't like that I would see in people that I grew up with. And I'm like, and alcoholism runs in my family. So let's just like take a step back from that. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so back to you. I love to hear that people like don't drink. It just, oh. yeah. I mean, it's, it's been Music only four months at this point that I've like, okay, I'm not really drinking anymore. I'm just going to like feel this out. But my husband just committed to a full year off. He, he thinks he'll never drink again. And I'm like, I don't know. I maybe like want to, but it was just my birthday and. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I had zero desire. It didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, it's pretty great. And there are a lot of other great things that I did, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking. No, it's beautiful. This is really important, like how people come to this point where it's like, okay, I'm done with the alcohol Mm -hmm. and combo is really great for that. So it does, we're going full circle there. Uh, For me, I am constantly looking for new remedies uh, new medicines, new solutions. I, I grew up with a very um, unwell family. Um, my grandmother had seven heart attacks. Mm. Um, and she was the first woman in our little area of the world to have open heart surgery. Like that's what I came from. And tons of pharmaceuticals um, were just in my field all the time as mm-hmm. a child. So uh, I didn't want to live that existence. So I've always been really curious about 
holistic living and natural remedies. And so when I found Combo, I was so excited because it's been proven to be the world's most powerful antibiotic. Mm-hmm. And it really does work. It's like, I like to say that it's like flipping the on switch to your internal pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And we all have everything we need inside of us. I truly believe that to heal. Like our bodies want to heal. Our bodies want to thrive. They want to survive. They want to live. Yeah. So sometimes they need a little bit of support, but you know, in essence, like, we're, we're here to thrive. So combo is really supportive for that. And I am crazy about parasites. I don't know how I got on this kick, but maybe my mom, when I was really young, giving me herbs, like, oh my God, grandma took you to McDonald's again. Like you have to take these Chinese herbs because you have parasites. And I'm like, parasite. I'm like <laughs> I five it. years old. Thank God though, that she was so neurotic because, you know, it set me on my journey. And so I went to Thailand um, and a bunch of places in Southeast Asia. I've been like wherever all mm-hmm. over the world that mm-hmm. that I could pick up anything for as long as I can remember so I got back from one of these destinations I think it was Thailand and I was thinking okay I definitely have parasites right now I can tell when something's off mm-hmm. I was feeling foggy so I came to combo for that I thought um combo could help uh relieve the mm-hmm. symptoms and get rid of the parasites little did I know that was not what I was coming to combo for because it's not what happened. It can't actually just rid you of parasites. You need to do a parasite protocol and mm-hmm. do other things. Um, not to say that's impossible. I don't want to deter anyone from trying combo because they think they have parasites. Go ahead if you think that'll help because it's great for everything. It was actually the sixth, the, yeah, the sixth session I had uh, with combo where things really shifted and I literally relived an abortion that I had. Mm. I've had one surgical abortion when I was 21, 22. And um, it was, I, I shit you not, like the entire process of the abortion once the surgery was complete, like all the feelings I felt and the way that my body was moving and then everything, there was blood everywhere. Like mm-hmm. I literally lived the whole thing Yeah. over again. And I had been having debilitating menstrual cramps for maybe a decade every month um, and thinking, you know, like, this is not normal. This is not, I'm so healthy. All I care about is my health. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and how am I preaching to people, holistic living and all of this? And I have to down a bottle of Advil every month. I feel like such a fake. Yeah. You talk um, about this in your book. And that's why I'm so, so inspired because it's so real. You're like, here, here I am, all my flaws. Yeah. I can believe this. And I also do this. It's it was so uncomfortable to admit, you know, like I, okay, like holistic and give me a bottle of Advil. I'm dying. Like there was one night where I asked my ex-husband, like, can you find me heroin? Can you find me morphine? Something like mm. I'm like shaking and sweating. I can't handle this pain anymore. Wow. Um, he didn't actually get it from me, but I'm saying I got to that point and it, it feels really uncomfortable to say that I asked for that, but I was, mm-hmm. it was there. Um, So I relived that abortion not only once, but four times in a row. I think maybe it was even five receiving combo. And this was at the point that I wanted to become a practitioner. Mm. So I went to the training and my teacher, she's incredible. She said, you know, I love you, but you have to leave the training. Go do your work. You have to figure out what's going on with you. I can't give you a certification to serve combo if you're going to lay on the floor and and die, you know, every time you receive it for mm-hmm. two hours during this training. Like, we, we have to get this training yeah. on the road and you're, you're like, dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, like, crippling for me, but I had to leave the training mm. the 
two days before I was going to get certified, I left. Wow. Um, and then I had to go on this whole journey and uh, figure out what was going on with my body. Um, and that's a whole nother, we won't go deep into that, but the point was combo set me on this trajectory and actually got me there. And at some point I stopped having the cramps and the only major thing I was doing was receiving the combo. Yeah. Of course I started doing a lot more plant medicine work and all mm-hmm. of that, but yeah, it, it kind of, I guess it saved my life in a way because you can't live like that. Yeah. It's really powerful stuff. I mean, for people listening who've never heard of this, um, combo so interesting because it's not psychoactive, really. I mean, like, that's not the point of doing it. It's just a full body cleanse. Like, it, it's a poison, essentially, that, like, attacks your... It goes into your lymphatic system and kind of helps you expel or dump anything, like, down to your duct bile, your gallbladder, right? And you just essentially vomit for, like, 30 minutes straight and, like, go to the bathroom and... Um, and it's, it's over within a couple of hours, but it's extremely uncomfortable and you're not tripping. There are no pretty visuals whatsoever. Wouldn't it be rough if you're also <laughs> tripping on combo? It's yeah. like already bad enough. Yeah. That would actually probably not make it better. You're right. That would be really bad. Yeah. I guess we didn't explain what it actually is. It's a frog secretion from the a giant green monkey tree frog, the Philomedusa bicolor from the mm-hmm. upper basin of the Amazon. And it's just the secretion on their back. It's their defense mechanism. But they found within the indigenous communities there that it's also, you know, beneficial for us for all kinds of things. You can go ahead and do research on your own, but it's just unreal. This like um, chemical cocktail of bioactive peptides and all these amazing components it has to heal the human body. It's Mm. just surreal. Yeah. Yeah. I love it and I hate it. (laughs) It's a a love-hate relationship, Um, but it is, it's really, I mean, just in my experiences alone and like my small circle that I've like brought to these medicines. I mean, I've had people who suffered migraines daily, who never had a migraine again. Um, Friends that have alleviated a lot of um, pain from endometriosis and things of like that nature. And yeah, just personally, like getting that reboot, your body really builds up a lot of toxins. We live in a pretty toxic environment. When you think of like all of the, you know, external environmental things, plus all the things we put in our body, on our body, on our skin, um, that gets absorbed, not to mention like the way that we think and the way that we speak to ourselves. So there's so much, everything from the physical to the emotional that this can kick off in your healing journey. And then, yeah, coupled with if you are doing other like actual psycho- psychedelic plant medicine in conjunction, because I've done that before where it's like combo in the day, ayahuasca at night, yep. and it's like, it's just a life altering weekend, you know, where you just really operate on a different frequency and you're never the same. And then you get to keep up leveling. People ask me like, who thought that, you know, ayahuasca is like a one-time thing that you do and it changes your life and you like see God or you see the light. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you're meant to do it one time, amazing, but it's a spiritual study and it's sort of like reading a completely new book every time you go, like learning a different side of yourself. And I've always been a seeker and want to evolve. So yeah. 
Um, I love this conversation. This is like we could go here for <laughs> forever. Yeah, it's it's important too to know that combo is an option and pair that with any plant medicine studies, any plant mm-hmm. medicine work. So many people don't realize that there's like a something to do before because it clears out the body so that we can actually, some people just drink ayahuasca and they purge the whole time and never have any visuals or mm-hmm. anything. And that's because they didn't take that first step of maybe clearing out the system with something like combo and like our neurotransmitters are in our gut. Like most mm-hmm. of our, most of our gut in, in the U S I guess, at least we're like so corroded. Like we need yeah. to cleanse before we take in medicine. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Our food source is pretty altered in this in this country um and like knowing how you've lived all over and like visited so many countries um I imagine that you've felt the difference in your body when you're living different places oh yeah 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 for sure it's really important to practice self-care and really be in tune with how the environment and the food and you know, even environmental pollutants and all of that's affecting your body because you do have to reset and constantly Mm -hmm. there's maintenance that needs to be done. Because like you were saying earlier, our environment is really toxic. Our planet is. I mean, if you're somebody who eats fish on the regular, like fish is so polluted now. You're just eating like a little plastic Plastic. creature at this point. Let's see how well we work if we keep eating plastic every day. You know, like I've I've actually cut fish out of my diet completely, which is so sad because I love it. It's such a bummer. Oh. Yeah. I I was fully vegan for a, a while, like six Another or seven parallel. years. Yeah. And I went back to eating fish, um, not like really regularly, but here and there just because I really love it. I'm like, I really missed it. You talk about sushi so much in this book. I was like, girl, I know. And recently I've started to really cut back a lot on it and do like a little more elimination and try to really eat just like if I can better sourced fish but like there really is not there's not okay so river trout if you're living in the right location so when I lived in Costa Rica I was like yes I can eat fish again because the river trout wasn't too bad it was really clean and they have one of the cleanest rivers ever in Costa Rica you can drink the water actually Mm. out of this river so I'm okay eating the fish out of that river. I am so excited because I'm going to Costa Rica. Um, yes. I'm going to Envision next month. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And I... So I can tell you what brand to get because yeah. that's where I was living. Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? In yeah. Vida? In that area. Oh, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. So I have this desire to build a compound um, in Costa Rica. and Well, that's like a top, top location. I'm thinking about Italy. I also really like just Colorado in general. But... I kind of want to leave the U.S. If I stay here, it'll be Colorado. Um, but just to like build this big property out and like all of my friends can build homes on it. <laughs> we can like live in community and live off the land. And I'm like putting these wheels in motion. So I told my husband the other day, can we look at property when we're there? And he's like, I think it's a little early because realistically we're not making this move for three or four years. So it's not like, I know. I want to speed up the timeline. I have uh, a lot of people to connect you with. Just side note, realtors mm-hmm. and like all kinds of amazing things. Amazing. In Costa Rica. Yeah. 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 It does feel like one of the, you know, Puerto Vida, right? Like the country itself yeah, is yeah. so protected in a lot of ways because yeah. the people, yeah, pure, the people there really care about their land and 
yeah, it just feel like I went there once and it felt like home. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. How long were you there with your uh, So lover? that was where I escaped during 2020. Uh, I went for Envision. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Wait, I was there. <laughs> I went one time. We have definitely seen each other in our... <laughs> yes. I went in 2020 and I'd never been to... I'd never been to a music festival and that's the one you started with? It's the that's one I, like hardcore. It's the one I started with. I um, had only ever been to Burning Man. And so I, I, was like, <laughs> I was like a little elitist maybe. I was like, I go to Burning Man. I don't need to go to like a music festival. Because it was it's like the pinnacle of, you know, expression experience, you know, for many people. And now I like see things a little bit differently. I want to like experience everything. And I felt like Envision was such a... I was like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, yeah. It's very small community. There's so much great content and, you know, classes and ceremonies to go to during the day. Yeah. But okay, you were there in 2020. You went to Envision. Is that where you met? So I met the guy at Burning Man. Mm -hmm. This is also perfect. We'll just keep going in these beautiful weaving circles. Uh, I met him. So that's like September beginning of September, right? And then it took me until October to get to Costa Rica. And then I left and I went back again because I did one of the like satellite events, workshops. I led um, my tantric lap dance thing in, in Costa Rica. Which we're going to talk about. Yes. Uh, fun stuff. And then I stayed for a while. I was staying with the guy. And then things started getting weird. And before I left, my girlfriend, Crystal, her and her... <laughs> Crystal and the ball, um, they were like, take this mask with you. And I was like, I'm not taking a mask with me. I'm not wearing this. Yeah. Um, and I remember it's just like the weirdest, like it was like a child mask. It had like a zipper on the mouth or something, like one of those black ones with like the... Yeah. And I I shit you not, I ended up wearing that mask the whole like entire year, you know, like off and on mm-hmm. if I'd go out because I didn't have to wear it much. I was in Costa Rica, but it was just so weird that mm-hmm. I brought it with me and that became a thing, but people started leaving. And then there was this announcement, oh, the border's closing. And either you leave now or we don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, finally, the world's ending and I'm in paradise. I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah. Bye, guys. Like all my friends from Envision who are like straggling, you know, they're like, eh, we're leaving. The border's closing. I'm like, yes, I'm stuck here. <laughs> I'm like, and the, the guy that I was dating, his family... Um, they're guardians for the tallest waterfall in southern Costa Rica, and there's a cave underneath. Um, so Diamante Falls, and we were hiking up to the cave and sleeping there. And I was sleeping on a wooden platform with a mattress on it under a bug net for a good part of 2020. Wow. Like I was literally living in the jungle and talking to people here, going like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I'm gonna go jump off a waterfall." Bye. <laughs> wow. Love your life. That's ideal. <laughs> so yes to Costa Rica yeah. and living there and building a community there. So a couple people that were a part of that whole mix, like my girlfriend Rebecca, she's still there. She like is part of started a real estate company there. Mm-hmm. And she didn't leave. She's there and you know. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it is the place I'm feeling the call. Um yeah. yeah, you're not going to. Are you not going to? I'm not going this one, but Costa Rica is like 
partially home for me forever because I was there that whole year yeah. and my the co-host that of my podcast that hasn't been getting a lot of love that's about divorce um we started that there during that time okay, it was like cool. our pandemic project um and so many great things happened in 2020 living in the jungle yeah <laughs> I bet COVID was such an interesting time because I you know, unpopular opinion, feel like I learned so much about myself, made a lot of really interesting calls and mistakes during that time. But it was such an incubator because everything felt accelerated for me because I was like, oh, we have all this uninterrupted time. And I threw myself into a project that wasn't really like what I wanted to do. It was what I thought I should do. Um, But it was also like got to spend so much time with you know, my husband, then we were, you know, not really on the same page for a while. So that really brought us close together because we both travel and like run businesses. And it was nice. And we were living with some of our best friends who had just gotten home from six months of travel. They were supposed to stay with us a month while they looked for a rental here in LA. And they ended up with us for nine months. And that was really special because they're Whoa. like really, really good special friends of ours. And um, yeah, and uh, That's a one's a doctor. Ride. So it was also really great to have like <sighs> a very conscious, um, just like another conscious male kind of voice and energy in the home um, who was like, let's do some research. And um, <sighs> was, you know, had like, a lot of similar values that we do about like health and how the body can, you know, really take care of itself if we put it in the mm. right environment. And so who is this doctor? It, I'm like, yeah. A, a really, really good friend. And he's, um, he was just such a good sounding board because I think if you, you don't personally know someone you can trust in medicine, something like COVID pops up and you don't know what to believe, right? You don't no. know who to listen to. There's so many different opinions. Um, and you can't really get a good answer out of anybody. So, um, yeah, I ended up like never getting vaccinated. Thank God. And just, we got COVID, we got COVID before LA even shut down before like COVID was really here. Um, so in January, um, no, we got it at the end of February, beginning of March and LA went on a lockdown March 17th. Mm -hmm. So like everything was kind of exploding in New York city and in other big cities, but it hadn't like fully traveled to the West Coast. And we had a dinner here. We we're actually supposed to have a really big party and, you know, probably like 60, 70 people um, for a birthday. And we shut it down and we were like, oh, this kind of doesn't feel right. Right. It doesn't feel like kind of it, it feels a little <laughs> just think like unaware of what's happening in the world like whatever we believe we probably shouldn't gather in this big of a group and um because i think they started to say groups of like 50 or less or groups of 30 or less so we're like okay let's have a dinner so we had like i don't know 15 of our friends over dinner turned into a you know crazy night of like music and games and just being silly and uh we woke up four days later and everybody had COVID. <laughs> so yeah like the whole party and we had people fly in from um new york tulum san francisco like friends flew in for this birthday oh my gosh and we were like who done it like you know it was a funny thing like we weren't pointing fingers but we were like who 
was it that got that gave us COVID? Probably multiple people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I had just gotten back from Envision pretty much. Um, but anyway, I I would love to shift into the bulk of this book, which is your experience as an exotic dancer and your evolution in that from really moving from this girl to like real womanhood and real consciousness and the ability to bring light into such a dark space. So, gosh, I don't even know where to to begin. Wow. So much juiciness in this conversation. It was so good. I thought we should probably split it into two. So I'm going to be bringing you part two next week. Um, Stay tuned because we get into Lana's book, Um, how she was completely sober while working in Las Vegas and for most of her career as an exotic dancer and her dreams to help create a conscious strip club. I mean, come on, that actually sounds like my personal wet dream. Um, She's also also going to read a little bit of her book to us. So I'll see you next week for part two. As always, if you like this episode, please just take a moment and review it. Uh, on our Apple or Spotify. Leave us a comment on the YouTube videos. If you want to watch these episodes, we have everything on YouTube as well. It means so much to me to hear from you. Um, Always check out the show notes because we have all of our free resources there, like our quiz, our e-dictionary of all the non-monogamy terms, and so much more. If you're interested in community, check out the WhatsApp chat, Open Talks, is a peer support space that I moderate with some really good friends, and we really just help everyone navigate their non-monogamy journey in a safe space. So I hope to see you all next week back on this episode. Or I, I hope – let's pause. I hope to see you back here and next week for part two with Lana Shea. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.